Welcome to Sexy Confidence with Eva, the relationship maker, where we talk about relationships, dating, life, successes. And with my guest, we have always interesting subjects to help you out. Enjoy. I'm very happy to introduce uh, my guest today, Irene Fair. She lives in Netherlands. She's a sex and intimacy coach, and she specializes on women. And I know that, especially now, for the past, I believe, 20, 30 years, we need education. I think people kind of pushed aside the education because there is porn, but porn, it's not educating. Uh, actually, it's more damaging. So uh, I know you work with uh, single, with couples, and you help them to, uh, to improve their sex lives. So I'm, I'm going to let you talk a little bit about what you do and uh, who you are, how long you have been doing uh, what you do. And then we're going to dive in into the, into the nitty gritty little things, that little uh, information that people can get. And at the end of the interview, and when I'm going to post the podcast, everything is going to be on, uh, all the, your information is going to be listed. So hello, Irene, how are you? I'm good, thank you so much for having me. So can you tell a little bit about yourself and how did you start to be involved in a sex and intimacy subject, basically? Well, you mentioned moments ago about my specialty, which is women's libido. And that is really, that is how I got started in this work and why I specialize it, specialize in it. And my specialty is women's libido as it is in a long-term relationship. In a way, women's libido, when women are dating or single, is quite straightforward. But my own experience with a sexless marriage and my own experience with losing my libido had me then get very curious about myself and then also wanting to understand what happens to women. Why is it completely assumed that when you get married, the woman is going to lose her libido? And so today as a sex and intimacy coach, I help to demystify and clear up so many huge myths and misunderstandings about women's libido and what needs to happen for women to stay excited for sex through the different stages of a relationship, through childbearing years, through uh, perimenopause and menopause and beyond. And again, that this work started with my own experience of losing my libido in my marriage and ending up in a sexless marriage and then divorce because of that. That's very interesting because I, I meet and I, I speak with many, many people and the, the women usual, they saying that, oh yeah, it's, it's just sex. And it's well known, there is a statistics that in the States, I live in Canada, but Canada is not uh, any different, that many marriages are sexless. Like, oh, uh, we are going to have sex on holidays, birthdays and holidays. And it's like, what is that? You know, like, come on. It, and it's always contribute, it's the man's fault. But I think, I don't know, have you ever seen the movie Green Fried Tomatoes with oh, Kathy Bates? Many years ago, yeah. many, many years many, ago. Many, many years. 
when she's a certain age woman and she goes to this uh, event and they say, okay, you, you drop your underwear and take a mirror and you look at your genitals. And many women, I don't think they ever looked at how they look or they never, never took the time to, um, to experience, to experiment what, you know, what they like. So if you don't know, how can the other person know? Absolutely. And I didn't have those experiences either till I was in my uh, early 30s. And uh, I didn't really know anyone else who had those kind of experiences either. It was really hidden, you know, the, the American or the English way of, of thinking about the genitals. It's down there. We push it away, right? Mm -hmm. With the, these kind of hand gestures of just pushing it down there. And it I didn't know my own body and it was no surprise that I ended up not understanding my sexuality, not knowing what, what happened in my relationship. Just like so many of the clients who come to me today, both single women, but also couples, couples who've been married for 10, 20, 30 years, wow. had been in that kind of scenario that you mentioned moments ago, this basically a sexless marriage where sex happens once or twice a year, when there's a moment when the mood strikes and everything is perfect and they have it, but they can't create a situation where they're having it on a regular basis, where they're connecting sexually, where they are intimate with each other. I know couples who schedule sex and it's like, where is the intimacy? But it's better than not because they, in a way they going to say, okay, uh, let's try at least. But it's really like when people have special kids and I know everything, all your energy goes towards the kids. You don't want to have sex because you are so exhausted. And the man still wants to have sex. So he might go stray and then it's a big problem. And the woman feels that they are not good enough. They are not beautiful enough and has nothing to do with the beauty and um, can you tell me how women can get back that, that uh, not even the excitement, but that confidence that they are good enough, that they are beautiful enough? Well, so much of that confidence gets lost because women make up a story. And sometimes men also uh, share in the story that there's something wrong with a woman. And here's how this plays out. I wanna map this out of what happens in the beginning of the relationship and then what happens later on. And it's actually completely healthy and normal and natural for that excitement of the beginning stages of the relationship to go away. The problem is that men's sexual desire stays the same, but hers looks like it's dropping. So let me start from the beginning because it's going to make a little bit more sense if yes. I map that out. So let's say a couple meets each other and they are starting to date. So what's happening usually? They are constantly thinking about each other. They're the, this day and age, they're texting each other, they're sending messages, they're uh, on FaceTime or on whatever, Zoom all the time. And they are connecting to each other. They're going to the movies pre-COVID uh, kind, <laughs> uh, hopefully soon again. And what do they do in the movies? They are making out. 
they're holding hands, they're kissing, they can't keep their hands off each other. What do they do on weekends? They make love to each other morning, day and night. They again are constantly thinking about each other. The woman is spending time thinking about what she's gonna wear or kind of preening herself, prepping herself. The guy is thinking about her or any, any gender or any sexual orientation, the couple, they're just constantly thinking about each other. The hormones in the beginning is that they're making them put effort into being with each other. But it's easy because the hormones are making you do it. What's missing in this scenario is responsibilities mm -hmm. and disappointments and resentments. You don't know each other. You, know, you have nothing to be resentful about. And responsibilities, again, don't exist. You don't live with each other. You don't have children. You don't share finances. So all of that is gone or out of the picture. But as the relationship gets deeper and they move in with each other, again, they start to share finances. They may get a dog or a cat, children. The, the responsibilities go up. And then also disappointments and disagreements and resentments go up. But because the, the hormones naturally wane, you know, the hormones that were pushing them together, that were pushing them to be so sexual and connected with each other, it then becomes an effort to take time for each other. So at later stages of the relationship, they're not making out nonstop. They're barely texting each other during the day. So many couples barely talk to each other for more than five minutes during the day. And it's usually about something about the kids or the dog or the, the, the house or finances. So everything that ignited that enthusiasm and that passion and for women that sexual excitement and confidence are gone. And in the beginning, their libido looks the same because it's, it's, it's being stimulated by all these things. And that's especially true for women, connection, unpressured touch and lack of responsibilities. Fast forward, his libido is the same because men's libido is more spontaneous. It comes from within. They don't need to have stimulation. They don't need to have foreplay. They're not designed that way, but women are. And everything that women really need to be sexually open and excited is missing. Again, connection is missing because you only talk to each other five minutes during the day. Prolonged touch without the pressure of anything. It's right, it's those makeout sessions that you're kissing or sensually touching each other just because that's missing. But you crawl into bed exhausted and potentially resentful at each other. And so her libido drops. And without really understanding all of this, women, and myself included, this is what happened to me, we conclude that there's something wrong with us because look at the guy, he's ready to go. But we're not realizing, and really this isn't very common knowledge out in, in most societies in the world, is that everything that the woman needs is missing. And it doesn't, and so when a woman's libido drops, doesn't mean that she's broken. It means there's fuel missing in the fuel tank. We're missing the things that are really important to us. And again, back to your question, this is where women start to lose confidence. There's something wrong with me. 
And part of getting back that confidence is understanding there's nothing wrong with you. Your needs are not being met. The things that you need are not being met. And that's what's going to help you feel that excitement again. And that is super important for women, especially for also mothers, because then you have the element of giving birth and your body changing, you, your identity changing and being a mother. Um, and that shift has to happen. Isn't it interesting? Like there is the honeymoon phase, of course, in the beginning <clears throat> when everything is, uh, you know, like, as you said, they put a lot of um, emphasis on, on the moment, but I think, Afterwards, you cannot live in the present. And if you would go back to the present, then it would be, and you would just concentrate on the other person, it would be much easier. But also there is another thing. I was talking to a gentleman who actually is involved with uh, male sexuality. And we talked about the hormones, how the hormones fluctuate. And especially we know for women from 30 years or even earlier, starts to decline. And I think that has a lot to do with, uh, with sexual desire. And also the way how, I don't know, it's, I, my grandmother used to say, oh, I'm a frigid person. I put it out when I need something and that's it. Mm -hmm. And on that time, I was very young. I, I didn't think about it. But afterwards, I'm thinking, maybe my grandfather wasn't skilled enough. Mm -hmm. And even though they were touching and hugging, but she was everything for the family. So she raised me basically. So it was very interesting to see the, the dynamics between them. They were still close together, but it was almost like a partnership. That, that part was missing that it's so important for everybody and women correct me if I'm wrong, we need more than just take out that garbage. We need more than just, you know, like, okay, I'm ready. We need that, that wooing maybe from the beginning, from the starts in the morning and after when it comes the evening, then we are ready. Am I wrong? Absolutely. No, no, you are absolutely right. You know, I, I think of this as if you want to have sex on Saturday night, you want to start the wooing, the flirting, the foreplay two Mondays prior. Oh my want... God, that's a long time. <laughs> but it, it's building up that energy. It's, it's building the sexual energy and not just the sexual energy, but the emotional, the connection, the, the desire, the flirtiness. And you know what I teach couples to do is to learn to be lovers because this is what, what gets lost also in a long-term relationship. You begin as lovers, but then real life takes over, right? Kids, responsibilities, finances, all of that. And they stop being lovers, except when you're supposed to have sex and then there's an expectation that for a woman, it will happen on demand. For women, that doesn't happen. Again, it's that two Mondays prior, peace. It needs to be happening all the time. There needs to be a, like a slow burn happening. You know, I heard this recently from someone, I, I don't know if this is the original quote, but it goes something like men fall in love once and for all with a woman, but women need to be fallen in love with every single day. 
you know what? We were talking about this with someone and they said, yeah, men, it's like there is one person for a man. Mm-hmm. If they fall in love, that's their, that's their woman. But women, it takes time to develop that, that love, that trust, that uh, maybe, maybe because down there it's hidden. <laughs> yes, it's absolutely. So. Yeah. And, and, and it needs to be renewed every day. Because we're all about connection and closeness and trust. And you can't just trust forever. You, you, you establish trust and connection every day. One, one of the things I do when I, I, like I'm, I work with couples because they don't understand each other. For me, it's more communication. I'm not going to go into the sex therapy because I'm not, I'm, I'm not specialized in that. But one of the things I'm telling them because they're saying, okay, bye, I, I'm leaving. No, take that, I don't know, 10 seconds, 30 seconds, look into each other's eyes and hold each other, see each other. Because I find that when you don't look in somebody's eyes, it's very easy to dismiss the person. And that's exactly what I meant when I said earlier about couples stopping to be lovers you have to have those moments where you're lovers, where you're really just seeing each other as the people you are, not for what you can do, like taking out the garbage or taking, taking care of the kids, but to just see what's, what's in the other person, like what's going on for them? What do they want in this moment? What are they scared about? What fascinates them? Just, yeah, truly see each other. And that's what I mean by being lovers. Yeah, going beyond the partners and parents piece. Don't you find that when people get to a certain place, they stop communicating. And if you are not able to open up of what you want, the other person cannot guess what you want. And then it gets to a point that uh, oh, he, do- he doesn't touches me in a certain way. And, you know, I, it, it annoys me when touches me that way. But they would not verbalize it to their partner so how how you deal with couples when they come to uh, to your place so let's let's give some maybe three uh, ideas for a single woman what to do to get back in touch with their sexuality because if you haven't had sex for a long time you kind of lose it you know how it is it's uh, you don't see it it's out of your mind it's out of your everything and let's see what couples can do so they can revive that, that part that it's, um, it's missing. So they don't have to go stray and, uh, you know, cheat on their, their partner. So mm-hmm. can, you, can you give me an idea how you, how you handle that? Yes. Uh, so let's start with single women. The three things to reconnect to their own sexuality. So what is sexuality? What is arrows? Eros is all about enjoyment and it's about pleasure. It's about enjoyment of pleasure. That's what sexual energy is. It's also creative energy, it's, it, it's enlivening, but it's specifically rooted in pleasure. And so one of the things I recommend that women do <laughs> is start to get in contact with their own pleasure. I don't even mean sexual pleasure specifically, but pleasure. So many modern women spend absolutely no time slowing down and enjoying their food or enjoying their 
shower or enjoying just the, the, the touch of their skin. And our bodies are pleasure machines. Again, just the things that I mentioned, food brings us so much pleasure if we only slow down to feel it. Taking a hot shower or a cold shower, whatever floats your boat, brings so much pleasure. Again, if you slow down, if you're not there washing your, your body to get ready for work, but you can feel the way the water feels on your skin. Or going for a walk and slowing down and just looking at the flowers out there, outside. So starting to reconnect to pleasure because once that happens, the lights start to go on in the body. Something starts to awaken because that's what pleasure does. It brings about relaxation and a sense of aliveness. It gives us color. So that's number one. Uh, number two is doing, doing specifically the things that have you feel good. So it's, it's related to number one, but I'm also thinking specifically like, if you love dancing, put on music and dance. If you love doing something outside, go do more of that. When we do the activities that really we love that, that you know, they may be uh, like dancing about movement or there may be something about uh, intellectual activities, we get excited. And it's the same energy of that aliveness and excitement. And when it comes to then expanding your, um, your scope into relationships as a single woman, start to identify what's really important to you in a relationship from the sexual perspective. And an easy way to do that is to look back in past relationships and see what your complaints were and then reverse engineer. So if you know if you're thinking about like oh yeah that partner he was just he was so fast and and it didn't really feel good well that means you want it slower. If one partner was too rough then you don't want it rough you want it softer. If one partner was you know not initiating sex and you had to do that then and that was a complaint for you that lets you know that you want a man who initiates. You want a man who, who makes an effort. So starting to reverse engineer your desires and what's really important. And this is you know, what I say to single women when it comes to dating, be very clear. And if you're committed to having these things happen, be sure that you're having these conversations early on before you had sex. Don't have sex until you find out if this partner is on the same page with you, if they value the same things in sex, if they're even able to talk to you about sex. That's a really important piece to find out because if, if someone is not able to talk about sex in the beginning, it's very unlikely they will be able to talk about it when you hit problem spots, which everyone does. And also, if they start talking first, first thing about sex, then you say like, okay, hold your horses. It's like, slow down, slow down. But yes. yeah, I, that's what I, want, I wanted to ask you because I said, uh, yeah, it's important before you get into a relationship that you have an idea. Okay. And so for couples, the key to reviving sexual passion, first piece is 
acknowledging what's happening and, and getting vulnerable with each other about it. It could be something like, hey, I'm noticing this has been happening. And it may, you know, like something like, you know, we only have sex on vacations and I'm noticing I really miss you. I miss being with you. Makes me sad that we were so into each other in the beginning. And now I just, I miss my lover and I want to reconnect with you. It's important to talk vulnerably to each other about the situation and name what is it that you want. So it could be something like I'm noticing that we've been having sex on the vacations and I miss you. I miss my lover. I miss touching you. I miss being intimate with you. And it makes me sad that we used to be so passionate for each other in the beginning. And now, you know, you just get me as your, I don't know, cook in the kitchen and you just take out the garbage <laughs> and, and, and really naming the vulnerable piece. I miss you. I want my lover back. How can we have this? And again, dropping to that level rather than criticizing your, each other or the situation or complaining about it. So that's the key. The first key to reconnecting is being honest about what's happening, how it's impacting you and what you want. And if you're both on board to reconnect, and this is an important piece, you need to be both on board. It's very difficult to drag your partner to want to reconnect. That's not really connection. <laughs> Sex and sexual relationship, it takes two people, unless you're masturbating by yourself. But sex in a relationship, it requires two people. And so it is really important to get your partner on board, which is, like I said, it's, it's starting the conversation from the vulnerable place. And when you're on board, it's then very important to intentionally set aside time to be lovers. Because in our busy lives, it's not gonna happen spontaneously. That happened in the beginning with all those hormones. Later on, it's about intentionally scheduling time to be with each other. Now, I'm not a big fan of scheduling sex, but I am a big <laughs> fan of scheduling sexual time together to make out, to lay there touching each other, stroking each other, massaging each other, playing with each other's genitals, but not doing it because you're trying to have sex, which puts way too much pressure on people. Perform and that creates performance anxiety and a lot of negative things. But schedule time, unstructured time to just be with each other, to look into each other's eyes, to talk, to look at each other, to touch each other, to, and to talk heart to heart, not about the kids or the finances or the house or work. I have a question because you just mentioned something and I, I was just, my mind is started working. You said about masturbating. If a woman is, um, cannot get back in touch with their sexuality, maybe like, you know, she's too busy. In order to know her, herself and what makes her feel good, do you recommend them to uh, masturbate and to uh, explore her own body? Absolutely. And specifically, I teach pleasure practices. A pleasure practice is different than masturbation. 
because generally masturbation has a goal of reaching an orgasm, mm-hmm. right? You take a vibrator, you, you turn it on and you finish when, when you have an orgasm or you, you can do it with your hand, but again, you're doing it to get an orgasm. And while that can be pleasurable, actually we get to miss so much sensuality and pleasure along the way when we're just going for the goal. So instead, I teach pleasure practices. Yes, it's touching yourself, it's touching your genitals, it's massaging, it's, it could be penetrating, but it's with the goal of creating sensual pleasure and having you know, 15, 20 minutes of being in this blissful state, whether or not you have an orgasm at the end. So it's, it's lengthening and improving the journey rather than just getting to a goal. And these pleasure practices are incredibly important in connecting to your sexuality. It's incredibly important in being able to relax and enjoy yourself and to build up that energy of aliveness in your body, which feeds the confidence for women, that sexual confidence, that sexual radiance. It comes from the prolonged blissful experience not necessarily the orgasm. And there were um, MRI studies done by Nicole, I believe her name is Nicole Prouse. Um, she's in California. And they, they looked at the brain and what happens when both men and women are self-stimulating and the brain waves were much higher during the journey to orgasm than they were at orgasm. Wow, interesting. And so, the path of arousal has a lot more nutrients than the orgasm itself. So if you're bypassing the journey, you're, you're bypassing the nutrients. It's interesting that it's almost like we don't think that we deserve to take that time for ourselves. We are so busy with everybody and everything else. And that time, like people, since we are on lockdown and we had been this, whatever is happening, people started meditating, exercising, eating better. They started doing some things that um, they have been not doing before. And I think if we can spend, I mean, aren't we worth 20 minutes or a half an hour to, to take care of ourselves, to feel good. And I believe that you start in a different way. The, anxiety and the depression is going to kind of melt away, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. We need time to ourselves. We need time to relax, to slow down, to breathe, to think. We're not just doing machines. We need that recovery time. And also wanted to mention something to what you were saying earlier about women feeling like we don't deserve that time. There's the influence of a lot of myths that are out there that are really perpetuated, um, that are are really based in the differences between men and women. Men can orgasm quite quickly, right? And they don't need as much, or they need a lot of very quick stimulation, but it can happen in in just a couple of, like 30 seconds or a couple of minutes. But women need a prolonged journey. But what happens is, and I talk about this in my free video series called How to Want Sex Again, it's one of the very, very harmful myths that impact women. 
women think that we should be like men, be able to orgasm in 30 seconds. We should be able to get turned on very quickly because again, look at him, look at my partner. And we miss out so much as women when we try to do that. We miss out again, the nourishment, the nutrients in the expanded blissful state of arousal. And, we, and women feel guilty for taking that time when it's the opposite. You should be taking more time for yourself so that you have a better experience, which is what's going to help you have, uh, what's going to help you want more sex. And it's also incredibly powerful and blissful for the man as well, because he gets to support you and, and help you do that and it also rubs off on him men love seeing women enjoying themselves i have two things here one of them is i wanted to bring up it's porn it's when people watch porn and i think yeah porn it's uh, it's good but it's not good i mean they are nine years old uh, addicted to porn if you learn like that uh, what happens? It's, it's like a seven minute or I don't know, four minute video. And both of them, they are already going. And you expect to, to be like that, like that woman. And the man might say, look at her. I mean, they just started and, and you know, they are, they are in, in sync. But it, in reality, that doesn't happen like that. It doesn't happen like that period, it doesn't even happen like that in the beginning because so much of it is being with each other and anticipating and building that sexual connection. And of course, physical touch. And um, yes, it's, uh, porn is incredibly harmful. It's, it plants the wrong expectations and it also wires people to expect, like their body expects instant gratification. Otherwise they get frustrated or they cascade into shame and it, it takes people into the wrong direction. Yeah, what's wrong with me? I have to tell you that this was, um, I, I really loved our discussion because I think that it, it presents a realistic view of what's going on in people's body and women's body. Uh, I have one more question for you. I know when women go to the menopause, premenopause and menopause, they, um, they need even more time. And do you say to them to go and check their hormones to make sure that, because the hormones has lots to do with your sexual desire too? No, my approach is really about learning what your body needs rather than trying to change your body. And what I do with women who are perimenopausal or menopausal is take them through discovery journeys of themselves, whether they're single or with a partner. It's really about understanding, well, what does your body need today? And I'm a strong believer that whatever shows up in different stages of life is meant to teach us something really important about life. And so maybe for women, for some women that need more time during later years, it's going to teach them to be able to ask for what they need from their partners. Maybe they weren't able to do that before. And what a gift. And 
again, it's this natural approach of listening to your body and learning what it needs. I've seen this over and over. That's the key to getting the most pleasure, the most um, potential out of your body. And not for the hormones. And you are the first person ever that says, you know, this is your natural state and take your natural state instead of instead of doing something that your body does not need. So can you tell me why you recommend people to take the time and, um, and what to do in, in that time, how to reconnect that sexual energy uh, later on in life when they are in premenopausal and men menopausal state? Can you tell me about that? Yes. So, you know, my belief in this is really... Absolutely. So my belief around hormones and the benefits of the natural state of our bodies is rooted in a way in a spiritual belief that we have something to gain from accepting our bodies and learning our body uh, from our bodies the way they are, and that we can bring out our body's potential when we really get to know ourselves. So how to connect to your own sexual energy and, and with a partner is to slow things down, to start asking to talk about things. Like, could we talk about what happened? Could we talk about how touch works for me? And then experimenting with it. So touching each other and then talking about it. Yeah, that felt really good. That not so much. Or specifically touch on the genitals. Like, could you, uh, like asking a partner, could you stroke me here? And I can tell you, do I like this or do I not? You start to experiment and really run this like a science experiment, trying things out, making hypotheses and then proving things right or wrong. And it's about communication. It's about trial and error. And it's also about doing, thing con doing things consciously, not just you know, having dinner, having a couple of glasses of wine and going into sex, but doing it in the morning and again, talking through it and exploring and discovering what you like and don't like. Um, also, it may not be sexual, what you want more of or need more of after menopause. It may be that I need, you need to cuddle, cuddle more with each other, or maybe you need to talk more, or maybe you need to talk less with each other. It could be a variety of different things, but learning what that is, is really important. And you will learn so much about yourself and how to make your life richer. That's the key piece is that all of this isn't just hard work for nothing. It adds richness and aliveness to all aspects of life. What is good though, when you get to the menopausal place, men, they slow down too. So it's easier to, uh, to, you know, to be on the same page at one point. That's good. I'm so grateful yes. that uh, I was able to talk to you because everybody, how to say, not everybody, I'm, I'm, but people, when they talk about sexuality, it's, it's a, it's a hard subject, and some people don't like to talk about it. And uh, 
some uh, ladies, they talk between each other, but men, not really. I think that women, if they would open up a little bit and they would listen what you said, you know, to get back to that feel, to that, uh, to that feminine part of yours that feels good, I think um, they're going to enjoy life more. And for women who do want to reconnect to, to their sexuality, I have a free three video online course that's called How to Want Sex Again. That's um, off, uh, you can link to it on my website or you can click to it on my website. Um, and that's a very powerful training with concrete tools to do that. And I go through four myths that make women not feel confident about ourselves um, that are really important to also demystify. And yeah, that's important. Out. Yeah, you know, we all need guidance. We were not born with it in all times. Women, they were talking like grandmothers and, and their daughters. But now it's we just have technology and we kind of lost that fine art of, of, of getting in touch with ourselves. But living in the moment is important. Thank you so much, Irene. I think um, this was priceless. And I can't wait to see what the response is. But I'm going to put all the information about uh, your website, your videos, and how they can get in touch with you. You are working not just uh, in Netherlands, but you are working around the world. So if anybody listens in Australia, in uh, I don't know, wherever they are in the States, they, uh, they still can get in touch with you and you can give them some advice. Yes, exactly. It's been my pleasure to be on your podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, there is no happiness without love. Love yourself first. Love your partner. And ladies, get back that feminine good feel for yourself. And until next time, goodbye.